always, what the hell am I doing? But never, never ready to throw the towel in. I feel like I, I really love what I do and there's always a solution. And even when it feels like the biggest problem, I think what I've, this, this business has taught me to be really, really resilient. I mean, certainly if I look at my attitude at the start of this business, my attitude now at the start, the slightest thing would happen. I'd be like, oh my goodness, the world is ending. <laughs> I've failed, what have I done? So, but now I guess, you know, as, as a business owner, you're throwing issues every day. And I guess you just sort of become a little bit immune to it. Welcome to the second episode of the Chief Metachicks podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Scriven. I'm the founder of Chief Metachicks, a business I launched in late 2022 after a long career as an executive in business, marketing and branding, and most recently as the CEO of Zenith Media. Chief Metachicks is a community and a movement designed to level the playing field for women in business, leadership and technology. Our mission is to unlock and unleash the power of women by upskilling them in Web3 and AI technologies through education and training and providing them with the tools and knowledge they need to thrive in the digital age. So whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur or a seasoned business owner, Chief Metachicks offers a wealth of resources and inspiration to help you develop and scale your business initiatives and leadership skills. And this podcast aims to bring inspiration and insight to our listeners as we delve into the stories and journeys of female founders, entrepreneurs, and leaders. We will share their highs and lows, trials and tribulations, key learnings, and pivotal moments. To get us underway today, I'm going to be interviewing Lizzie Whaley, co-founder and CEO of Sunday Body, which launched in March 2021 and is taking the world by storm. In 2022, Sunday Body won esteemed awards for innovation in packaging and aerosol product of the year. I've known Lizzie for a long time, having previously employed her in marketing, digital media and social media roles. So her amazing success is no surprise to me. Lizzie is one of those people that always shone bright. She took on every challenge and executed brilliantly. Her journey rising through the ranks of organizations to co-founding an incredibly successful business is why she makes the perfect Chief Metachicks leader. And we're so excited to have her share her story with you today and impart her knowledge as she coaches and mentors our members on their journeys to success. This interview covers a number of important topics, including building resilience, leaning into what you don't know and learning fast, letting go of perfectionism, and building, nurturing, and staying true to your brand to create competitive advantage and protection. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode with Lizzie Whaley of Sunday Body. And so with me today is the amazing Lizzie, I was going to say Lizzie Binks, I've known Lizzie a long time, Lizzie Whaley, who is the co-founder and CEO of Sunday Body. Hi Lizzie, welcome to the Chief Metachicks podcast. Thanks, Nikki. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> me too. Obviously, we've known each other a while, but I'm very uh, keen for our community to get to know you a bit better too. So we'd love to learn a little more about your entrepreneurial journey and the story behind your success. Can you share a bit of background about what you were doing and how you landed upon the idea for Sunday Body? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, my career has always been in marketing, as you know. Um, my very first, for those that don't know, my very first job was with Nikki, and my very last job before I started Sunday was also with Nikki. So um, we've kind of come full circle, which is really great. But I, I've always had a career in marketing. Um, I've, I've come from brand side. And, and more recently, agency side. So I worked for a company called um, Publicis, where our clients were Disney and TikTok and a whole lot of other fun clients as well, like Honda. Um, so I was the digital director there. So I led all the digital media buying strategy um, as well as buying as well. Um, did a lot of pitching. Got did a lot, a lot of pitching. Um, and yeah, really loved it, to be honest, and, and never really thought I would leave. Um, it was one of those jobs where yeah, I just, I truly loved it, got a lot of job satisfaction out of it. Um, but I sort of fell into to Sunday and it was um, largely driven by my co-founder and, and best friend. So it was a very casual dinner one night, um, Andrew, my co-founder, we were having dinner at his pub. Uh, he owns a number of pubs in Melbourne and it was literally over a Palmer and a red wine. And he kind of came up with the idea that, you know, there was so much happening in other categories when it came to you know, beauty. And he personally found that using soap was really, really boring. And, and we didn't quite have the solution then, but he just knew he'd, he'd done a lot of traveling and, and, you know, in hotels, how you have those white, white bar soaps and it's sort of wrapped in this plastic. And he was like, surely there's something else that's a little bit more exciting to use. And so we sort of were bubbling on this idea for a while and and it was one of those things where he really had to convince me to do something because I didn't want to go into business with him because I loved our friendship and I knew that you know business and friends don't typically mix and I didn't want to rock the boat in that aspect and um it was sort of you know a kind of his brainchild and it kind of evolved um over time so so I said, all right, let's do it. Let's let's just see what else is out there. So we got in contact with a formulator and she basically said, look, there's shower gel, there's bar soap. Um, you could maybe do a foam. And we weren't, we didn't jump at the idea of a foam and we were like, oh, okay, that's, that's not really that exciting either. And then we sort of sat on it and we're like, well, fuck, why wouldn't we make it whipped cream like if it's a foam why wouldn't we make it a little bit creamier um, a little bit more fun and have it come out in a whipped cream like dispenser um, so off we went sort of developing this whipped cream fun like body wash um, and COVID hit so we were sort of forced into lockdown and I'm a Victorian so I know more than anyone what it's like to sort of find joy in the mundane you know suddenly we were looking forward to going on walks, cooking, gardening, like all those things that we we don't really think too much about in our day-to-day -day routine. Um, so that, that we were sort of in lockdown, we were working on this sort of fun, you know, whipped cream body wash. And as I said, COVID really kind of inspired our purpose in that I kind of realised in that moment that actually there are so many moments in your daily routine that could be so much more joyful, like having a shower or even moisturising your body and um, that, that, I guess, really inspired our purpose to create products that would bring joy and fun back to your daily routine. Um, so off we went sort of focusing on body care, developing a range of, of products that would inject a bit of joy into your everyday routine. So that was kind of how it all started. In terms of how I took the jump from, I guess, full-time work to, to Sunday, well, I kind of was forced to do it because we had pitched to Woolworths and Priceline in lockdown. And before we'd even done our production run, we'd 
secured 1200 stores in ranging and it was one of those things where I was forced to make the decision either I continue doing you know this media buying job that I absolutely love or I take a risk and um, go full-time on Sunday. And so that's what I did and I haven't looked back since. That's amazing. And can you share with us a bit of the timeline? So it feels like an overnight success to everyone else, but, you know, those that are founders know that a business takes time to grow. And you would have had tooling and packaging and design and all of those things to manage through. Had you already created your packaging and the, the dispenser unit before you pitched to Woolworths and Priceline or did you have an idea and you just kind of winged it and then once you got the order you went full steam ahead? No we definitely we had a concept so essentially it was 18 months in the making and it was 18 months of finalising fragrances, packaging, we had to purchase a tooling machine to actually make our whipped cream caps. Um, So I, I genuinely thought you could just purchase that off the shelf it's very naive of me but we had to make get a tool made um, and then ship it to a plastic molder who then sort of makes the caps Um, so that was all very very time consuming when we'd pitched to Woolworths we had the concept I had a white can and I had a 3d print of the cap so I didn't even have the final cap and so basically I was selling a concept Um, which we did, you know, designers are amazing and we wouldn't have been able to do it without their amazing Photoshop skills to sort of Photoshop the artwork onto what the can would look like so that they had a visual um, of the branding and the product. Um, But effectively what we sent them in terms of samples was a plain white can with our formula inside and a 3D print of the cap. So it was very conceptual at that point. But it worked, Um, it certainly distributed it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like um, why it worked is because there just wasn't anything like it. Um, And it was enough to, I guess, give them the idea of the experience of taking that whipped cream cap off, you know, shaking the bottle, turning it upside down, dispensing the foam. So um, yeah, it it certainly wasn't an overnight success. And it was a bit rough and rough and raw at the start. Um, But the thing with our product is it has really high our MOQs or minimum order quantities. So we actually didn't get a printed sample until the production run, which is 10,000 units. Wow. So it was a big, big gamble. Yeah, Yeah. right. (laughs) And obviously the startup funding to, you know, produce 10,000 units, that's a bit scary. Did you, um, obviously your co-founder is, you know, managing multiple businesses at the moment. Did he Mm -hmm. step up the money or did you contribute in? How did you you manage that and how did you put security around your financial situation? Because that's one of the biggest challenges for founders. Yeah, and I'm very risk adverse, especially I've, I've always been used to a salary and I love my salary. I get my monthly paycheck, <laughs> you know, it's very secure. So basically there were a few ways we did it. Um, so the way that we sort of mitigated risk, it was actually 40,000 units because we launched with four SKUs. So it was 10,000 times four. Um, so the way that we did it was we pitched to a distributor first and the distributor then put us forward to Priceline and Woolworths. So why I absolutely love a distributor model is because they buy the stock off you. Right. And so that helps mitigate risk as well. So basically um, we we managed to negotiate the same payment terms with our manufacturer as our distributor. So effect- effectively what would happen is money would come in on, you know, 30 days end of month and then 
from our distributor for the order and then money would go out that same day to our manufacturer to pay for the run. Awesome. So that's how we, I guess, it helped with that big amount of cash in terms of that startup capital. Um, very, very lucky that my co-founder um, had those funds to put forward to, to sort of back us. Um, but in, in terms of those big production runs, um, certainly negotiating the same payment terms as your supplier um, and your customer definitely helps. Yeah, right. And I remember you had an amazing launch. So you would have really invested in uh, hitting the market with a bang, having influencers on board, you know, getting that sort of social user-generated content. Can you talk us through a bit more of the branding and the preparation for that event and, and your marketing strategy? Yeah, so a marketing strategy was an interesting one because there was a really big education piece that we had to do right at the start. We're asking people to change their behaviour in terms of how they consume a body wash. It's not a pump bottle. It's not a bar soap. It's literally shaking a bottle um, or a can, tipping it upside down, dispensing. And not only that is you, you sort of have to step out from under the water because it's already a, a lathered foam. Naturally, foam runs off the body when it comes into contact with water very quickly. So it's it's stepping out from under the water, lathering it, getting clean, and then stepping back in. So, you know, it, it, it sounds simple, but it actually was quite challenging at the start to, you know, get people to change their behaviour and, and use the product. Um, so... Certainly at the start, we did a big educational piece on, on how to use it. Um, and then from there, we could sort of build the brand. And, and what we did to build the brand was, you know, it's a very experience-based product. So we did a lot of experiential things like activations, did a lot of product trialing. Um, you know, whenever you're asking someone to use something that they're not particularly used to or might be at a higher price point, we've sort of found that the best way was to just get people to try it. Um, if they like it, then they'll buy it. So we did a lot of gifting, a lot of giveaways, a lot of gifting. Um, and then certainly at the start, we really focused on brand partnerships as well as that was quite a cost efficient way to, you know, raise brand awareness about our brand um, amongst sort of like minded brands. Um, so we did a lot of giveaways, a lot of gift with purchases on our website. So we try like, sort of product swap with other brands. So we'd say, all right, you give us 500 units of your hair mask and we'll give you 500 Sundays. And then what we'd do is we'd run a promotion on our website and say, if you spend $30, you get a free hair mask and just try to cross pollinate our communities. Um, so we did a lot of that at the start. There wasn't a whole lot of investment in paid um, media or paid opportunities at that point for a couple of reasons. We needed to build trust. We needed to, um, I guess, establish a community and and really get that right. And then it was probably eight months actually after we started, that's when we started investing in paid media, which coming from a paid media background was a very different experience, but it was really good because it allowed us to scale as much as we wanted to, but also get the community side of things right in terms of our customer service. Um, and then once we sort of felt that, you know, we were ready to grow, we invested in paid media and that was able to really scale the business. Yeah. And what sort of channels in paid media are you focused on? Yeah. So we do uh, Facebook, Instagram, now Meta, um, Google, of course. And, and we found that that's a really great lower funnel, um, I guess, tactic to, you know, we can bid on keywords like body wash. And, and it's really funny, the evolution of, of um, our Google strategy, because at the start, it very much was bidding on 
body wash and vanilla body wash and vanilla shower gel. And now we've able we've been able to, I guess, um, really hone in on shower foam because we've helped, I guess, establish the awareness around shower foam and shower mousses. So that's been a really fun evolution as well. Um, we do affiliate marketing, quite a lot of affiliate marketing. Um, and then, of course, influencers is another paid channel that we that we invest in. Yeah, brilliant. Well, I think your background in digital media has certainly helped. Um, you know, I remember when I first met you and, you know, plucked you out of a, a you'd finished a PR degree, plucked you out of a call centre, brought you into an internship and went, I think she's going to launch our social media strategy. And, you know, you're in superannuation and I thought, I need you in an agency environment. You need to learn more. And I could just see that that was the right place for you. And then, you know, when I jumped ship to agency, I had the opportunity to bring you with me. And I feel like, you know, that's given you such an amazing grounding and background and understanding. And because you've been on the tools and you know how to do the doing, it's really set you up, um, you know, for this role, which is super exciting and and very rewarding, I have to say. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. It's been it's been a really nice. I've been really lucky in my career. You know, even um, people laugh when I say that I started my career at, at a call center, but I could not be more grateful for that time because that's really helped me, I guess, establish a really robust customer service process for Sunday. Um, and I have very high expectations when it comes to to our customer service. So very strong SLAs. You know, we've got a 24-hour turnaround on absolutely all customer queries. Um, we have, you know, we sort of check it multiple times throughout the day. And, um, yeah, I, I guess that's really helped establish our community as well. And, and we often get emails saying, I'd love your customer service. And I'm like, thank you, Australian Super, for that experience. <laughs> And then I guess I kind of went to a more brand role and then obviously ended up in agency. So I've had a really good, I guess, breadth of um, career that's really helped, I guess, form all the little parts of of Sunday that it is today. Yeah, it's so good. And talk to me about obviously customer service is a key um, point. Have you got any data around um, customer loyalty and, and, you know, how big is your community now? How regularly are people purchasing your products? Because what I can see from the outside when I go into the supermarket, people are hovering around and talking about it. And I love that. Like there's just a little bit of pride in me going, go Lizzie. (laughs) (laughs) It's been really great. I think for us, um, you know, we have a really high customer return rate. So 60, certainly it's really easy to measure on our e-com store because we've got those analytics. But um, whenever we launch a campaign, about 62% of those customers are return customers. So if it's an offer, if it's a gift with purchase, um, a new product, you know, a really large portion of them are actually returning customers. Um, So that's been really great because it means that we've been able to not only just build trust, but build loyalty with with our customer um and yeah that that's that's sort of the online side of things in terms of the i guess supermarkets or um the retail side of thing that's a little harder to measure but we can sort of anecdotally look at it from you know when we go on promotion so you know we do we do great sales week to week but when we go on promo it flies off the shelf so i i think that's representative of people you know repurchasing on when it's on promo yeah. um so yeah that that's been a really key part is you know i think it's quite easy to acquire customers people are happy to try new products 
but it's even harder to keep those customers and that's certainly been a focus for us. Yeah, 100%. So were there times where you thought, what the hell am I doing and were ready to throw the towel in? Always, what the hell am I doing, but never, never ready to throw the towel in. I feel like I, I really love what I do and there's always a solution and even when it feels like the biggest problem, I think what I've, this this business has taught me to be really, really resilient. I'm going to certainly, if I look at my attitude at the start of this business, my attitude now at the start, the slightest thing would happen. I'd be like, oh my goodness, the world is ending. <laughs> I failed. What have I done? So, but now I guess, you know, as, as a business owner, you're thrown issues every day. And I guess you just sort of become a little bit immune to it. So certainly over time, my attitude towards, I guess, that whole, what the hell am I doing has, has definitely grown more resilient. Um, but I feel like that's part and parcel with business. And I think that's one of the great things about running a business. It does build your resilience. And I think when you sort of one to two years in, you're like, okay, what else have you got to throw at me? <laughs> I can sort of handle it. You know, we've had challenges from cash flow to products not being produced on time and missing on shelf dates. And, you know, there's always a solution, I, I think. Yeah. And I think that's probably the more positive way to look at it. Although at the time, I can't say that I've always been this positive. <laughs> Yeah. And how many staff are you up to at the moment? We're a very lean team. So lean, but mighty. So there's myself um, and then we've got three others. So there's a team of four effectively, but we use contractors a lot, like designers, photographers, videographers, um, and, and we sort of lean on, I guess I'd like to call them subject matter experts. And I think that that's how I like to, to, I guess, keep the team. I like to keep the team in we're mostly marketing, we've got an operations um, manager, but I feel like as someone that's come from a big company, I like to keep people that I can personally grow and teach them things. <laughs> Whereas if I can't, I, I don't know who, like I feel like a lot of job satisfaction comes from learning from your leaders and, and being able to, to grow in that role. So I really like to keep the core marketing function in-house and then, um, you know, we use a lot of contractors along the way as well. Yeah, amazing. And are you working remotely? Is that your model? No, we have an office, um, and we but we of course are hybrid. So we three days in the office and then two days from home. Nice, very good. Yeah. Keen to know in those moments of challenge and hell, and what the hell am I doing? Where did you go for support? Yeah, it, it, it's like Mom? crazy. <laughs> yeah, it takes a village, Nikki. <laughs> I feel like there's so many people. I um like at home, certainly Sam, my husband, he's been a great emotional support, but really largely I lean on my team and I feel like I couldn't do it without them. And, and we've employed some, some really fantastic people and I really heavily rely on them. Um, but then there's also mentors like you, Nikki, that I always go to and, and come back to. So as I said, it takes a village. There's a lot of people that I, you know, get support from in different ways. I think that, um, yeah, that, that's, that's the best way to go about it. I can't imagine leaning so heavily on Sam. He would be so weighed down with all my problems. <laughs> that's great. Well, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest challenges for people starting their own businesses. You're going it alone and, and that opportunity to collaborate and connect and, you know, shoot the breeze with people and problem solve and build on ideas. You get that in a big team environment in a corporate, but it's tougher in 
you know, when you're going it alone. And so, you know, one of the whole reasons why we've set up Chief Medichicks is to provide that community support for each other. And um, Lizzie is one of our amazing Chief Medichicks leaders. So she is yeah. providing that support for our Pitch and Grow members as well, which is awesome. Yeah, I think things like, um, you know, there are a few, especially when you're a female founder, it does get quite isolating. And and certainly, you know, to your point before about do you have those what the hell am I doing moments? Yeah, there's plenty. So I think being part of a community where you can sort of get support and it might not be a support in the exact field that you're in, but emotional support goes a long way as well. So, yeah, certainly communities like Chief Medichicks is, is an absolute support, support beam for myself. <laughs> Yeah. And um, just on being a female founder, have you found that to be an advantage or a disadvantage for you in business? You know, it mostly an advantage, to be honest, and I think I've been very lucky, but it really also depends who I'm dealing with. I have had um, moments where I have had to call in the like my co-founder, Andrew, um, being a male, to have conversations that I'm just not getting anywhere with which can is a little frustrating but I'm I'm lucky that I've got him there to do that with so yeah for the most part it's an advantage um, but certainly you you do have some pretty old school people in I guess um, a a business like myself a a consumer product business that that you know they prefer to speak to a male and um, yeah so so you know we've had instances where that has happened and but it's just like it's water off a duck's back it doesn't really matter as long as the outcome (laughs) that I need is there I I don't really mind but yeah for the most part I've been in marketing my whole life and I feel like that's a very female dominated industry so very very lucky to have had that support along the way. Yeah and I think that's a really interesting um, point you know marketing is sometimes overlooked or underrated and the reality is when you're founding a new business or building a new product or service if people don't know about you you don't have a business and so I think that's where those marketing skills come to the fore in this founder space and certainly what I'm seeing with a lot of our members coming through our our pitch and grow program those that don't have marketing skills are really looking for that support. Um, you know, they might have a great product or an idea. They might be super smart, but if they haven't had a marketing background, sometimes they don't know where to start. And um, I definitely think that's a huge advantage. And you can just see it in the power of your brand. It's oh, pretty thank amazing. You. I think one of the key things that I've learned in this whole process is, you know, I've always known, uh, being in marketing, you always know the importance of, of, a brand, of branding and, and a brand. But I think we've been really clear on our purpose from the start and that was to ignite joy and and to ignite joy in everyday moments and everything absolutely everything we do comes back to that from our packaging to our like formulas to our fragrances um how we present on shelf all, all of that sort of ties back to that and i think that can often get overlooked but that is so important because it is effectively how customers connect with you if, if you don't have a clear purpose they don't really know what you're about and you know, that's that's really what's going to drive your customer base. Yeah, and it's your why. You know, it's exactly. the old Simon Sinek golden circle, you know, start with why. Why to bring joy. You know, if we're bringing joy, then people want your product um, exactly. or your service. So, yeah, love it. More from Lizzie Whaley in a minute. Recently, I had the pleasure of chatting with Michelle Redfern of Advancing Women in Business and Sport. We spoke about the recipe for business success in finding what you're meant to do and balancing that with what you're good at and what you can get paid for. Here's a little snippet from the episode. I did read the book Stop Fixing Women by Catherine Fox 
and start fixing their system. I went, that's it. That's what I've been trying to do. So yeah. I went, that's me. I've got to fix the system and help women navigate the system. So my model changed dramatically in 18 months from help women to let's, let's look at the, the system. But then it also added or iterated to add in the sports element because I, I had not even considered my sport administration prowess and experience as anything until I had a colleague who said to me, she was working for Carlton Football Club at the time, she said, you need to come in and help us with our DEI or diversity and inclusion plan. I went, oh, right then, good you. Um, so, and you know, I pop and I went, oh, hello. Oh, right, oh yes. This, what I love, what I'm good at, what I can get paid for. Okay, good on you, Redfern. You're a bit, bit of a slow learner, but here you go. And then, at the and, and at the time, I'm you know fiddling around doing some stuff. And, and Rhonda walked in the door. And she goes, "You need to be advancing women in business and sport. That should be your business name." And I went, "Okay, that's what it is." So I, I, I changed from Thrive, which is where I first started at, which of course, nine thousand and one people have got Thrive as a brand. To yeah. advancing women in business and sport, and I, I kid you not, the first time I gave out a, um, a business card at an event was to Carol Fox, um, who many of it, and she went, "Oh, sport! You and I need to talk." You can listen to that brilliant chat with Michelle Redfern by going to chiefmetachicks.com/podcast or subscribing to the show. Okay, let's get back to our amazing guest, Lizzie Whaley. Um, can you share with us some other challenges that you might have faced along the way? You've talked about, you know, sometimes having to bring your co-founder in, but have there been any other major challenges um, and how did you overcome them? Hmm. I think a major challenge for me was probably just me getting in my own way. And I think um, you know that I'm a perfectionist and you just cannot be a perfectionist being a business owner. And I tried so hard. I, I think for like a year I tried to do everything absolutely perfectly but I got nowhere because I was spending so much time on detail and process and just trying to perfect everything and I think I've learned this saying along the way and it was progress over perfection and I think that has been you know sort of the number one thing that I've learned it's you're across as a business owner you're across so many facets of the business that you can't if you kind of feel like a, um, what is it called? A jack of all trades, master of none. That's exactly how I feel. And for a while I was really struggling with that because I really wanted to be a master of everything and get everything perfect and it's my business. But I think that's been the number one learning is that, you know, it is more important to move forward and, and sort of fuck up or make a mistake along the way and rather than trying to perfect it and not move forward at all. So yeah. Yeah, that, that's been a challenge, but also a learning. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Love it. And keen to know how much your business has pivoted and evolved along the journey from, you know, the first iteration, the first idea. Um, obviously, as a business owner, you've got to be pretty agile and, and move where the market is. And I've certainly noticed that myself in, in running Chief Medichicks. Keen for you to share how that's pivoted and, and changed for you. Absolutely. So you look at the start, it was really um, body wash focused. We really just wanted to reinvigorate the body wash category. We wanted to do something different, inject a bit of fun and colour. Um, you know, as you sort of walk down Woolworths, you sort of see a sea. Well, it's, it's evolving now. It's definitely gotten a lot better. But previously it was a sea of, you know, neutral and black bottles. And I think we just wanted to just bring a bit of fun. And we really focused on body wash. 
And I remember at the time I was like, oh, this feels a little bit novel and I feel like it's going to be a bit of a fleeting, you know, novelty. And I was really struggling to see how we could build that out. And I think COVID really, really inspired our purpose in terms of, you know, why are we building this? Why are we making this fun body wash? Well, you know, if you have to shower every day, you should enjoy it. Why wouldn't you make something that's enjoyable to use? You have, you know, masks for your boobs, your butt, everything these days, but there's nothing happening in body wash. And so when COVID hit, and and I guess we identified so many moments in our daily routine that could be more enjoyable, um, I think that really made us pivot and, and sort of look at the broader range. There's so many moments beyond just sharing that could be more enjoyable. It could be moisturising, applying sunscreen. It could be anything as part of your sort of self-care everyday um, routine. So I think that's probably the best example of how we've pivoted um, and it was very much influenced by by COVID and that realisation of, oh, why are we doing this? Oh, okay, it's, it's that sort of everyday moment that could be elevated, could be a lot more enjoyable. When did your products first hit the shelf? What was the date? March 2021. Right. So in the midst of COVID lockdowns, how did you get product here where, you know, the whole sort of importing was so challenged? How did did that come about? Yeah. So we are Australian made. Um, All of our raw materials are from Australia. So that was a byproduct of COVID, but also was, was great for us because, you know, having things imported from offshore, it's, it's lead times, it's it's t- very time consuming. So we were in, during that COVID period forced to look within Australia, which is, which is great and that's something we're very, very proud of being Australian made. Um, but that's effectively how we were able to run a production and, and get on shelf in time for, for March 2021. So I think we'd just gotten out of lockdown in February or something like that, like it was very tight. <laughs> yeah, wow. Amazing. Mm. And I mean, your price point is not cheap. Your yeah. is it nineteen ninety five? Is that it's $20. Yeah. yeah. 20. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And obviously, you know, if you're manufacturing, producing Australian made, that's going to increase the cost. If you were manufacturing overseas, you would potentially find efficiencies with that. Are you nervous about someone copying what you're doing and importing from overseas? Yeah, so uh, that was probably one of our biggest challenges um, when we were starting this this business because it was the cost. The cost to produce our product is is not cheap and it had to be by the time the retailer takes their margin, which is about 50, 55%, um, it had to be $20. We, of course, we wanted it to be a little bit cheaper. I think the average price of a body wash is $6.41 and ours was coming in at 20 so we tried really, really hard to cost engineer it, but we just couldn't make it work, um, especially if we wanted to be on shelf. We definitely could make it cheaper if we just sold um, online and didn't have to pay retailer margins, but $20 was the absolute minimum of the cost it was going to be, and that was definitely a, a challenge for us. Um, so, yeah, I, I think in terms of competitors coming in, I think that just comes back to us focusing on brand and why it's so important to to build a strong brand that customers connect to because we have had copycats actually and that it sort of happened in the last few months um and 
we're, we're pretty unaffected by it, to be honest, because we've, we've worked so hard on building a really enjoyable experience end to end from when you pick it up off the shelf and you're sort of like, what is this whipped cream looking can doing in the body wash aisle? Um, to when you take it home, you're proud to have it in your shower. You, you, it's enjoyable to use. And I think every touch point we've really focused on, you know, bringing joy. And I think that's something that other companies can't do (laughs) yeah I think you're right and I mean I love I follow you on all the socials and I love some of your TikToks and (laughs) one of my favorites which I I show people all the time because it's just so innovative and fun and it's it's that shareable content that people just keep coming back to see more around what you're doing but one of my favorites (laughs) is when you were walking like a model just in you know like skimpy white underwear and they painted with the whipped cream a dress on you and it was just so fun and so original and so clever I just thought oh amazing and you know what I mean you know my two teenage boys you know they're like oh yeah we've seen Lizzie oh yeah check this one out and they showed me that too and I thought my god here's two teenage boys 16 (laughs) and 18 following Lizzie following Sunday Body and really enjoying the content and you know sharing it and also you know being super proud that they know you (laughs) oh I absolutely love that and I think you know one thing that I've learned, another thing that I've learned about businesses is quite easy to start. If you're motivated, it's it's pretty easy to start, but it's bloody hard to stay relevant. And yeah. we've found that content really, a TikTok in particular, has really helped us do that because there really are only a few ways to stay relevant. It's newness, so launching new products, which is expensive to do, and also to be innovating all the time and launching new products. It's just you can't be doing that every you know month or whatever it might be. So we've found content has really helped fill the gap in between our new product launches to help us stay relevant, but also tell our brand personality. That video that you're talking about was, um, we, we kind of news jacked the Bella Hadid um, uh, sort of, uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was uh, where they spray painted the, the dress onto her. And so we were like, let's do it with the foam. And of course I was like, I'll be, I'll be the person that does it. And you should have seen the other officers sort of walking past going, what is going on in there? But we got over a million views. So yeah, it, the, the power of content and, and newsjacking, I guess, is, is something to be yeah told (laughs) yeah it was brilliant it was so clever I just loved it and I like I said to this day I show people that as an example of how to build and create great content can you share your business journey and growth from launch into Australia to global expansion you're now in overseas markets I know you've just got back from New York how did all that come about I mean this is huge growth really quickly very early days thank you so we have a we have a really strong um, wholesale B two B strategy, and and I think that's it's about seventy percent of our business. And um, you know, our I guess our mission and vision is to be the most loved and frequently used body care brand. And and to do that, we need to be in as many stores and be as accessible as possible. So you know, we launched into twelve hundred stores across Woolworths and Priceline, and and that was straight off the bat, and that was amazing. Um, uh, that was a great marketing vehicle in itself, you know, like people go down the, the health and beauty aisle twice a week on, on their average shop and, you know, hundreds of thousands walk through the stores every day. So um, that was that was incredible for us. We then struck a deal with Coles for our kids range. So now we're in over 2000 doors in Australia alone. So we're really happy with our distribution in Australia. And sort of towards the middle of last year, we started to get contacted by 
um, Urban Outfitters, Cult Beauty, ASOS, um, a few other UK retailers and e-tailers. Um, and it was quite reactive. So we were just really concentrating on Australia, but it was one of those things where we kept getting, it was actually through Instagram, like DMs through reach from buyers. Yeah, discovering us on Instagram. And so we were like, okay, well, let's just see where this can go and and, and explore that. So then next thing you know, we've launched in the UK. <laughs> um, and then we were like, okay, we're definitely just going to focus on Australia, New Zealand and the UK. And then um, towards the end of last year, start of this year, we started to be contacted by buyers in the US. And we were like, oh, gosh, no, no, we couldn't. <laughs> we couldn't. And then it plants a little seed in your mind and you're like, oh, but what if? So we just thought, look, we'll go to New York, we'll exhibit at a retail trade show and just see what the sentiment is and whether people love the brand, people love the product, people love the price point. That's a really important factor. Um and see if we can sort of generate some interest, which we did, which was amazing. So we're really focused on launching in the US, um, which will probably happen by February next year. So it's all happened organically. It's been, to be honest, like it's not been a strategic move by any stretch. It's very reactive, um, but it's, it's I guess it's testament to the brand and, and, and how well we're doing in terms of um, brand awareness and people discovering us you know, in other countries, which is something that I never would have imagined. <laughs> and and right back to your social media background and your social strategy and your content. It's brilliant. Yeah. So I, clever. I, thank you. <laughs> amazing. Um, keen for you to share, this is one of my favourite questions, what didn't you know that you didn't know and how did you learn on the fly and plug those gaps? Yeah, well, other than marketing and, and how to build a brand, I didn't know a lot and, and there's so much more to to this business so there's the new product development so I had to learn a lot about formulations I had to learn a lot about packaging um, and then also obviously making sure that we're compliant and and all those things so there's that new product development side of things there's operations so actually moving our product around um, our product can only go by road and by sea so we can't air freight so there was all that you know operations oh, also stock yeah stock forecasting all of that. Um, and then finance was a big one. And and I think, you know, Nikki, I'm not a maths person and I do not have a finance brain whatsoever. So that was like three areas of the business that I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I think in terms of learning on the fly, I was making a lot of mistakes, but also making sure that I'm surrounded by people who do know what they're doing. So kind of comes back to the contractors and eventually being able to be lucky enough to hire people that actually know what they're doing in, in those areas and surrounding myself with people that do and, and just trying to learn along the way. But yeah, there was a lot of learning, but there was also just a lot of mistakes. <laughs> yeah, but you know, that's how we learn, hey? Yeah, yeah so exactly. Good. Love it. What do you think has been the key to your success and what had you learned in your career prior that really set you up for success? I think it's just basically the coming back to really building a strong brand and and having a clear purpose. Um, And I think that's really what's driven our success because it's it's effectively what customers are able to connect with. They know what we're about. Um, but, But sort of once you do that, I think consistency is also really important, making sure that your socials and your website, your content, um, the whole experience aligns with what your purpose and, and what your brand is. And I think, um, you, you know, that that really has set us up for, for success. Brilliant. Love it. What excites you the most about your journey? I, to be honest, the export side of things, and I think that comes back to, you know, what we're trying to achieve and, and we really just want as many people 
everywhere, you know, loving and trying our products. So I think to have that opportunity to have, you know, international growth is really, really exciting, daunting, but I feel like the most things that are daunting are the most exciting things as well. So definitely the export, um, the US market is very, very exciting to me, but also very, very scary, but uh, a good indicator that it's it's something that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm super passionate about. <laughs> yeah. I, I tell you, just from watching from the outside, I'm just excited to watch your journey and to see how this has just taken off is it's just amazing. It's such a thank credit you. to you. Oh, Love thank it. you. <laughs> um, so if you knew what you do now, would you do it all again? Obviously, absolutely. it's a hell of a lot of work. Yep. Yeah. No question. Yeah, absolutely. No Don't regrets whatsoever. Yeah. I think it's... Um, I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason and and um, even, you know, on the shit days where I'm like, oh, my God, why did I do this? You know, I still wake up in the morning and, and genuinely excited to run this business. So, yes, I would hands down 100% do it again. <laughs> Brilliant. Love it. And what advice do you have for aspiring women entrepreneurs who are just starting their journey? Hmm. I think I've banged on about purpose quite a lot, but I think it's quite important personally to be really clear on on what your purpose is because I guess your why has to be strong enough to sustain you for what is like a really bumpy wild ride of ups and downs um, when you're running a business but it also gives you I guess a sense of purpose even when you're doing the most mundane things like packing boxes or data entry or for me finance so you know I think (laughs) I think the same applies to your brand you know coming from a place of purpose I guess um, allows you to connect with your customers and guides all your decision making. But um, yeah, I, I probably would say the advice is to really nail your why, both both personally, but also for your brand. Yeah, love it. And so, what's next for you? What's world domination look like for Lizzie Whaley? <laughs> yeah, I think for us, we're really focused on exports. So in the US, and I think um, that that's kind of on the horizon for us, but also bringing out new products and really expanding our range and and diving truly into the world of body care because for now we've really nailed the shower and the body wash I guess um, offering so for us now it's really breaking into moisturizers and other body care products um, that that we're working on and then of course bringing that internationally (laughs) love it love it love it Um, and my final closing question for you Lizzie what made you keen to be a chief medicic leader and what are you enjoying the most about it I think I touched on it earlier and I, as I said, like it's, it certainly can be quite isolating and, and, you know, it, it's, it can be quite a humbling and lonely experience at times being a business owner. So I think for me, I've always had a desire to help others and, and be part of a community. And I think that's my favorite thing about Chief Medichicks is not only being part of the community myself and having other Chief Medichicks to talk to and, and be part of, and just have this sense of community and, and belonging, um, but also helping others. And I know that you know, as I said, there was a lot I didn't know when I started this business. And if I can impart any of that knowledge on anyone else, in, you know, that's in that same position, um, that makes me feel quite fulfilled. So yeah, certainly being part of a community is is um, what made me want to be a chief medicic leader, which I'm absolutely loving. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're loving having you on board and you're adding huge value to the people that you're coaching. And But look, Lizzie, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure hearing more about your journey and sharing your story with our community. 
Um, we look forward to seeing you in Chief Medichix land and on the next uh, couple of pitch and grow pitches that we've got coming up. Um, and yeah, just love your journey and we'll continue to watch in awe and wonder. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Well, there we have it. Our second ever Chief Medichix episode. Key takeouts are the importance of building a brand and staying true to your purpose as this is what people believe and engage with and it provides a competitive protection when others try and copy you. All the links and resources for the full episode can be found at chiefmetachicks.com slash podcast. We'd also love you to rate the episode and podcast on iTunes or your favourite platform. It really does help with rankings and getting our messages and learnings out to as many people as possible. If you'd like to get your wings on too, then you can join at chiefmetachicks.com. And if you're interested in applying for our Pitch and Grow coaching program with our Chief Metachicks leaders, then please reach out at info at chiefmetachicks.com.